1967, Carrie Leitner changed lives. Born in 1946, Candace Leitner spent her early life in California. She went to American River College in Sacramento, and later, as did many women in her generation, she married Steve Leitner. The couple had three children, twin daughters and a son. In 1980, one of Candace's twin daughters, Carrie, was killed by a drunk driver while walking to a church carnival with a friend. Leitner, catalyzing all of her pain and trauma, four days after her daughter's untimely death, formed an organization that you've probably heard of. She was seeking to use her trauma and her focus as a way to inspire and motivate others, but also as a way to make change. Proving not to be an ideologue, she was appointed to a national commission by a president who had also lost a daughter early in his life, and she used the bully bullpit granted to her to raise awareness and to fight for tougher laws against driving while intoxicated. In 1985, Candace Leitner left the organization she founded only five years earlier, but that didn't matter. She had created a movement <clears throat> by simply clearing out the mental, emotional, and psychological cruft surrounding her very traumatic experience. She also used her organization, her talents, and her skills to get others to clear out their cruft. Without social media, without the internet, without even a computer. Candace Leitner started Mothers Against Drunk Driving and cleared out the cruft of a nation. What's stopping you from doing the same thing at work? My name is Hassan Sorrells, and this is the My Boss Doesn't Care podcast. of the term cruft is uncertain. Uh, some of us have heard it before, some of us may not have, so let me sort of break down some history for you. But it may be derived from Harvard University's Cruft Laboratory. Uh, now, Cruft Laboratory was built in 1915 as a gift from a donor named Harriet Otis Cruft, which the department that she donated to, the laboratory that was, her name was put on, was the Harvard Physics Department's radar lab during World War II. Or it might have come as a term from around 1958 that the students at MIT, another prestigious American university, started using as a word to define the garbage that had developed over time in their tech model railroad club. Who really knows for sure? But as late as the early 1990s, unused technical equipment could be seen stacked in front of Cruft Hall on Harvard campus, Cruft Hall's windows. According to the students, if a place was filled with useless machinery and, and if that place was called Cruft Hall, then the machinery itself 
must be cruft. This image of discarded technical clutter would then quickly migrate, as things did in the 1990s, from hardware, from leftover physics experiments, to software. And now, cruft is used in technical and software circles to mean unused or out-of-date computer paraphernalia, but also code, code collected through upgrading, code collected through inheritance, code collected through simple acquisition, both deliberate and through circumstances. Look, clearing out the cruft that surrounds your reactions and responses to conflicts in your life can take at least a lifetime. Clearing out the cruft that surrounds employees' reactions and your boss's reactions and responses to conflicts in your organization can take at minimum 20 years. Clearing out the cruft that surrounds your country, your community, and your neighborhood's reactions and responses to conflicts that are also occurring in your country, your community, and your neighborhood can probably take as long as 50 years. But that doesn't mean that Candace Leitner or Gandhi or the students of Cruft Hall or even you or your cousin can't change or even be the source of effective change in others. It just means that the change isn't going to happen nearly as fast as you think it should. And it also means that when the change finally comes, it will at first appear slowly, drip by drip, day by day, moment by moment, gathering speed almost assuredly as fast as an automobile driven, well, by a drunk driver. It also means that one training or reading one blog post or listening to one podcast, like you're listening to this one right now, won't really get you there. It means that implementing the ideas from one book, implementing the ideas from one podcast, even being jolted into awareness by a a momentary thing, isn't going to be the thing in the moment necessarily that's going to replace the hard work of working on yourself first and clearing out your own cruft and then starting to go to work on everyone else second. Traumatic losses can cause us to clear out our internal cruft. Devastating outcomes that we didn't anticipate can also cause our internal cruft to be violently and traumatically blasted away. Emotions, ideas, experiences, relationships, conflicts, and the impacts of other people's lives on our own build up over time until, like scabs, they cover over wounds. However, the same process that builds cruft, the same process that builds up those things over time, can be used to build movements, build bridges, and even particularly in your workplace, in more prosaic ways, build the kind of workplaces, build the kind of work environments that you actually want to be in.
Everyone has gruffed. I have it. You have it. Even your boss has it. But the fact of the matter is, if we never take time to clear out our cruft in the first place, or take the time to acknowledge its impact, we can't effectively be the change makers at the one place where we spend so much of our time, we spend so much of our effort getting ahead and improving, and where we get so much of our identity from on a daily basis. My name is Hassan Sorrells, and this is the My Boss Doesn't Care podcast.